42 Days ethos is to build solutions for hospitality businesses to retain and develop their team. We believe that the first 42 days, the first six weeks of someone's employment in any industry, but especially the world of hospitality, is so competitive, fast-paced and intense. We have an opportunity to reshape that narrative. Our team has extensive experience in the hospitality industry, so we know what it takes to keep your team happy and engaged. We'll work with you every step of the way to create a plan that works best for your business. Go to 42days.co to book a consultation. Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning to another episode. Principle of Hospitality has been developed to tell the stories of professionals within the dynamic world of hospitality. We're straight talking, ethically minded, and a reliable online source of information and inspiration for people in the hospitality industry. Now with today's show, Jackson McGrath, one of two brothers who is revolutionizing how we think about fast food and their delicious and healthy salads. With a mission to provide fresh, delicious and healthy salads to people on the go, Jackson and Jesse have created a line of salads that are not only delicious, but also packed with vitamins, antioxidants and other beneficial ingredients. From their signature OG salad to their seasonal salads, Green Street is quickly becoming a popular destination for those looking for a healthy meal. So grab a fork and join with us today have a chat with Jackson on the podcast. Hey, mate, how are you? Good, mate. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolute pleasure. And as we were saying before the podcast, I come from uh, a salad industry, a salad background to some degree. So I felt really energized to have this conversation with you today, especially as we have a chat about things that we should be putting in our body uh, in the hospitality industry in 2023. Um, it's great to have you on. So obviously, um, as I said in the intro there, you're one half of this amazing brand. Um, Tell us about how you and Jesse started the brand and then what sets you apart from other um, other brands in your space. Yeah, sure. So um, I suppose going back a fair way, uh, me and Jesse grew up in um, restaurants. So mum and dad had always had restaurants. Um, you know, I was doing the, the dishes from eight years old. <laughs> I remember Jesse cooking bread, um, getting to the restaurant before school. So we just, you know, we grew up in hospitality. We knew it. Mm. Um, I guess we learned all the things of what not to do as well as the things of what <laughs> to do. Um, but we, we just saw it and you, you, you absorb everything as, a, as you're just watching how your mum and dad do it and all that sort of thing. So um, growing, uh, growing forward from that, we really saw mum and dad try different things and they had about five or six as we uh, grew up. And the last one they had was a, a bit of a fast casual style. It was about... 17 years ago now, I think. But yep, yep. it was pretty progressive for that time in Aubrey. Um, mm. And I remember the line out the door at that stage and <laughs> mum and dad talking about that, um, even though it wasn't at the capacity that it could sustain that. Mm. Um, so fast forward a little bit. Uh, mum and dad sold all the restaurants and they went into a business called McGrath Fine Foods, which um, they make salad dressings, glazes, sauces, all that sort of thing, just condiments. Okay. Um, no preservatives, just everything's good food. Um, you know, it still has sugar in it and things like that, but everything's well-balanced and, and flavour-forward. So mm-hmm. um, 
me and Jesse went and did our thing. I went to uni. I went overseas. I travelled around. I looked at everything. Um, <coughs> and Jesse's a fantastic foodie. He just loves everything. You know, he'll he'll do low and slow all of his Saturdays and Sundays. Like wow. he's a real um, perfectionist with with food. And if mm-hmm. he does it, he doesn't do it half heartedly. So mm. we, um, I guess, I've got the hospitality side. He's got the food side. Um, and we just make that good max uh, uh, mix. So we. We ended up coming on board with mum and dad and um, with the mission of, of pushing it around Australia. Right. Because we had one one dressing in particular, which we still have and we sell um, a lot of it and we make a lot of it, uh, which is the poppy seed dressing. Mm. It's actually won um, a gold medal at the Hobart Fine Food Show, the Melbourne Fine Food Show and the Sydney Fine Food Show. So it's God. a... It's a um, <laughs> Must be it's, a cracker. It's, yeah, it's a, good, it's a good salad dressing. But what we're finding is that, um, you know, we'll travel... Me and Jesse would make the dressing... And we'll pack the van um, and we'll drive from Aubrey to Brisbane mm. um, and we'll do it in one day. So it'd take 18 hours. Oh we'll God. get there the next morning, farmer's market. So we'd pack, we'll set up the stall. Um, we would sell as much as we possibly could. As soon as people tried it, they'd buy it. But the thing was we could only get you know 20 people, 50 people, depending on the market, depending on the weather, all that sort of thing. Sure. So if they tried it, they bought it. And mm. that was great. Um, it wasn't successful in any any shape or form just as a learning curve and mm. and we we would do a second farmer's market on Sunday would pack up about three o'clock would jump back in the car would drive back to Aubrey and would make the poppy seed again and we did that wow. for about six months because we couldn't afford to freight it up there it's too expensive wow so, okay um we just kept on doing that until I um decided this is stupid this is <laughs> Irish um I don't want to be stuck in a car how many podcasts <laughs> do you want to listen to <laughs> Um, me, and, me and Jesse get along well, but not that well. Um, <laughs> so I decided to move up there um, to Brisbane. And this was oh, probably 11 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just started doing farmer's markets, as many farmer's markets as I possibly could, um, while trying to sell to like local IGAs, um, food works, or anything that we could possibly, um, or we felt was part of our ethos. We would we mm. would try and sell it and give it a go. Usually it was on like, you know, what you sell, um, they will take other than that you've got to come back and do it again <laughs> yes. so there was no like shelf space or anything for a while there yeah um but one thing that we i suppose we didn't realize at the time but um i guess thinking about it we we really got to know the customers and we really got to know the um what people wanted mm. um and th- it was all the same didn't matter where we went because we did farmers markets in sydney we did farmers markets in uh, just all the way out the east coast Everything wanted this, everyone wanted the same thing. Mm. And it was what is going in that food? What is in it? Like, I want to see, I don't want to see um, numbers. I don't want to see preservatives. I want to understand what I'm putting in my body. And I think farmers markets really paved that way for healthy, healthy trends to come, um, especially to Australia and start, because um, that's where everyone sort of that can't afford to start from these you know, mass productions, they mm. go there and they test the product and they make it and they see how it sells mm. and they talk to their consumers mm. one-on-one and understand about the product. So we, um, it was just crazy what, what we were hearing from, from people um, and they just wanted to know what they were putting in their bodies and that was 10 years ago. Mm. Like that was a while ago. So we, um, we always knew we wanted to do something more. We knew we had the flavours and we, the, food, the food part comes easy to us. Like we know how to make good food. Mm-hmm. Um, and we knew we wanted to make a change that helped all these people that wanted something healthier, mm. that didn't want to wait for it, didn't have to buy 35 ingredients from the supermarket to make one salad that 
you know, they have to turf the rest of it when it goes yeah. expires because they only want one salad a week or whatever it is. We mm. wanted to we wanted to help those people. Um, so yeah, we we played around with things and we did at the same farmers markets. We actually did trials of like um, healthy burgers and and wraps and, and pulled pork rolls and things like that. We <laughs> just we just started to trial things and trial our flavors with and, and food pairings and and see how it went. Mm. Um, and yeah, it was it just grew from that from yeah. that idea and and uh, yeah, fast forward to 2018 and we opened Green Street in Albury. Wow. Yeah. So what made you guys want to open in Albury first? Is that obviously because where you're from? It just seemed yeah. a bit easiest. Yeah, or? yeah. So we were um, by that stage. I was obviously back in Albury because the the poppy seed was selling quite well. Um, we we were pretty hands on. Me and Jesse with making the dressing, and we were finding hard to do anything else but just make the dressing, sell the dressing. Wow. So um, we were almost not stuck in in Aubrey, but it, it made sense to do it in Aubrey. Mm-hmm. Um, and by doing it there, you're sort of putting yourself out there without taking the risk of getting crucified if it's wrong. You know, mm. You've got a small business you can change, chop and change and, and modify things until you get it right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we knew a lot of – we knew Aubrey well and we know a lot of people in Aubrey and we knew we can get honest feedback in Aubrey. So we decided to do it there. Um it made sense and, and we got some fantastic feedback from the start um, and we changed our model very quickly, um, got rid of things, brought things on, all that sort of thing. Operational hours, small things, but you, you change it to make sure it's right for the future mm. and just worked on those stable footings to be able to grow and scale. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, more than anything, we were there and we were willing to do it, so we did it um, and learned from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you talk through what you got rid of pretty quickly because I think a lot of people who listen to the podcast and own businesses and, and, and operate them for the first time and they're so mindset, uh, their mindset is so structured around what they've created before they've opened and then they open and it's not working and they really want it to work but then they don't take the things that aren't working off. They just keep them going, keep them going. They become handbrakes for the business. Like what did you decide to take out pretty early on? Um, in terms of what we took out... Uh, coffee was the first thing we took out. Um, eventually, that became smoothies, acai bowls, uh, press juices, um, a lot of labour-intensive things we took out. Okay. Um, but that was that was because we were talking to the customers. We knew what they wanted and we knew how much effort we were putting in mm. and we knew the data. So um, when you see, for instance, you're selling a 1,000 salad bowls a day mm. but you're only selling 50 coffees and you might not be baking the best coffees, why are you putting a barista in there for... 12 hours a day just doesn't make sense like concentrate yeah. what, what you're good at and what you believe in and what you should um, focus on that's that's how we made our decisions moving forward is is what do we actually believe in here what how are we trying to change how quickly did you make those choices I was progressive like it wasn't all at once yeah um, the coffee was definitely the first one because it is hard like you don't want to be known for um, making crap coffee when you're making brilliant salads yes. like it's, re- it's really important that um, your brand is is consistent mm-hmm. and um, the coffee Coffee in Australia is fantastic. It's you know it's brilliant. Um, the high competition, and if you're not a hundred percent in it, then don't be in it at all. Yeah. Um, just so we we saw the writing on the wall there, and we instead of me making coffees every morning from seven a.m. till you know twelve, and then jumping on the line and making salads until nine o'clock at night, and then getting on prep after that, like it was better that I spent my time working on the things that mattered to Green Street. Mm. So how do you guys, how do you and Jesse work on product development now and has that changed, you know, over the five, nearly five years you've been in operation? Yeah, it's, oh, it's the fundamentals are the same, mm-hmm. um, but the way we go about it's definitely changed. We, we try and plan 
now, which was never a thing. We right, just, okay. We would just get in there and do it. You know, when you've got a kitchen and, yeah. and Jesse's in you the just kitchen. You just play around, right? Yeah, you just yeah. play around. Yeah. What does this taste like? Yeah, good. Mm. Oh, no, no good. Start again, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but now there's 1,800 Ks in between us. We have to get we have to get pretty creative, you know. <laughs> Luckily, we, you know, we've got Google Meet and Zoom and all that sort of thing. So um, there's a lot of going back and forth. Uh, there's a lot of testing. So we just have to be organised and we're... You know, it wasn't perfect from the start. We learned a lot. Um, and, th- and to be honest, there was a couple of seasons there because we change our, s- our menu every season depending right. on what's available. But there was a couple of seasons there where we couldn't change the menu because we just didn't ha- simply didn't have a menu. We were wow. we were so busy that we couldn't get anything done. And that's sort of the learning curve. You've got to put people in the right spots um, before it gets too late. Mm. So, um, yeah, we've, we've learned a lot, but uh, the, the menus are definitely getting better and more creative, which is just a result of us having more time to spend together and to get back to what actually matters to Green Street. Mm-hmm. Um, can you share with us like what are the tough things about running a business like a salad business? Because it is pretty challenging it in is. regards with the fluctuations in price and yeah. a lot more than you know if you're a burger ben- uh, venue, for example. Yeah, margins are definitely lower. You've got to be on top of it all the time. Um, there's a lot of challenges over the last five years. If you look at the last five years, obviously the obvious ones, COVID. Mm. Um, the COVID was interesting. We were actually, we fluked it, but we were ready for COVID, even though we didn't know COVID was there or coming. Mm. Um, my younger brother, who's now the director of IT, he built our app before COVID hit. Oh, wow. Um, and we had a click and collect ready to go and, um, you know, Uber Eats and, and all the delivery platforms are there. Um, and we... We had a pretty good trade on on um, click and collect already, mm. so that helped us a lot. But the challenges uh, they just don't stop coming in in hospitality. Mm. You've got to be you've got to be a certain breed to get into hospitality, and you've got to have that resilience to stick it out um, because it just keeps coming, and you've got to keep moving, you've got to keep adapting, you've got to keep innovating. Um, it's high pressure, but you just got to keep going because it's going to keep coming. So in- inflation's a good one because yep. that hit after COVID. And mm. when you think it's smooth sailing for a little while, then mm. boom, inflation comes. And um, <laughs> lettuce went from, we used to get it at $17 a box, which yielded about, I think it was nearly 10 kilos for that box. Mm-hmm. That went up to 120 something dollars for the same box. Oh, my God. Virtually overnight. And that's why, you know, your bigger brands started to use cabbage instead of lettuce and yeah. all that sort of thing. But, I mean, it's there. That's that's 80% of our business is, is lettuce at this point in time. Um, so... Navigating through that sort of thing is very challenging, but um, you become better for it. You mm. become how to run a, a slimmer business and get through and be resilient. And the team sees that too. Mm. Like they're, they're, do it, they're doing it with you. Yes. So involving them is really important too. What did you do in regards to the, the lettuce part? Like, did you did you change the product? Did you up the price? Did you change the recipe? Like, um, did you do all those things? Yeah. It's, uh, I guess it was a little bit of everything, but we have a wall of lettuce, which is... We've got about seven or eight lettuces to choose from. Right. So okay. kale, cos, baby spinach, mixed leaf, cos, uh, sorry, um, ca- uh, raw slaw, a rainbow slaw. Um, so there's quite a few to choose from. So we would, we were very proactive with our suppliers and we'd make sure that we'd get the prices um, as early as we possibly could. We would mm. look at them, you know, where can we mitigate some of the damage here and, mm-hmm. and choose um, certain things. So to give you an example, cos was just out of the question. We couldn't use it for a month or so. Mm-hmm. So we came up with a hybrid mix that had the same crunch as lettuce, uh, as cos lettuce. Mm. Um, 
it wasn't perfect, but you know people appreciated the effort yep. um, and understood the climate. So um, we just did whatever we possibly could. But luckily, we had quite a few to choose from. Like our mm. menu's quite large, so we could chop and change every day, change the blackboard, rub off cos, put up there like Green Street Mix or whatever it is. So again, just being adaptive and, and uh, being proactive, really. Mm. Mm. One of the things I always found tough when I was running um, salad businesses before was how you get that nighttime trade. And mm. you said before, like how you'd go till nine o'clock and, and that kind of stuff, and you'd still be sort of busy till then. Um, how have you developed the menu to make sure that people want to come in and have something like a salad for dinner? Yeah, it's a good point. Um, if you look at Aubrey, for instance, um, we would just that lunchtime trade to start off with. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we shut at seven o'clock, so we missed that night time. Right. So that's one of the things we did change quickly was to go to night time and open later. Yeah. Um, and then open at uh, 10, 10 a.m., shut at 8 p.m. or whatever it was. Um, mm-hmm. The people don't come for, for dinner. You know, people are, they're out at work ready for for lunchtime because it's exciting. It's lunchtime. I'm going to go get Green Street or whatever it is. I'm going to go get it. Mm. Um, dinner time, everyone's home. You know, everyone's busy. Everyone's got families. Everyone's got football, netball, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So you've got to get them to come back and get Green Street or you know, whatever it is. Um, mm. So for us, it was a pretty long process to, to understand what people wanted in the end. It was just our product that they wanted. They just needed a, a reason or to be part of that thought process of I'm getting takeaways and I what I'm going to get. Right. You've got to be really, really proactive about your marketing and your strategy around getting people to come back. In terms of menu, you can get really creative and that's where our setup really allows us to, to you know, do things that are more um, nighttime inclined. Okay. So, you know, for instance, we brought on the – we've got a really popular bowl called the um, Black Chicken Burger Bowl. Okay. Which is like a deconstructed burger, really, in a in a bowl. You know, we we made our own um, burger sauce. We've got blackened chicken, the raw slaw, as I mentioned, pickles, all that sort of thing. So, um, it's a really satisfying meal. And when people have it for lunchtime, they're like, "Oh, this would be actually be good at dinner time because <laughs> yes. it's, you know got the brown rice and it is um, it is a very satisfying bowl." So, making more of those sort of things like pulled pork, um, and then we turned it into a burrito. So, wow. A, it was a black and chicken burger burrito. Or we call it the Berg burrito. <laughs> um, but people come and they have it for dinner and that's all they need. They don't need a snack. They don't need anything else because it's, it's big, it's satisfying, it's healthy. It's got heaps of micronutrients in it and it's just, um, it's just about getting people to understand that mm. and realising that it's not just a salad because we're not just a salad bar. We are so much more. Like Green Street stands for a movement. Mm. Um, so education and, and marketing really is, is the key components to that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that a lot of customers who try for the first time will sort of be really kind of blown away and then and then become really customers pretty quickly, or does it take a while to actually get them to trust the brand and really, you know, uh, understand what you guys are trying to do? Um, I found once people try it, they come back again and again and again. I think people yeah. are hesitant to start off with, especially when you hit new markets. Um, Aubrey, from day one, as I said before, we've got. Um, a loyal following for our dressings and people knew who we were and what we're doing. Mm. So from day one, there was a <coughs> there was a lot of people coming through that door and, you know, we were doing quite a few meals. Fast forward um, to Brisbane opening, there was no one, absolutely no one. We couldn't get anyone through the door for months. Um, wow. <coughs> oh, not months, probably exaggerating, but, you know, yeah, it was, yeah, it was a mean. very slow start. Um, right. And, you know, you can do all the marketing in the world, you can do all the, you know, the PR pushes, all that sort of thing. 
But until people try the product and people actually trust the product to try and break those habits for lunchtime, because they've mm. only got 40 minutes, they don't want to waste it on a subpar meal and yep. there's so much other competition around. Mm. Um, you need to really give them a reason to come in. Um, mm. So no, we, we did a, a week of promotions and had a bit of fun and got, got out the front and grabbed the customers, gave them tries and, and got them to try the product before they had to come in and buy it or whatever it was. Um, and we, funnily enough, that's what we used to do at the markets all the time, give out free salads um, yes. with the poppy seed dressing to show them what it was. Oh, right. So naturally I just said, well, if they're not going to come to me, I'm going to go to them. Um, so I walk out there with a the platter of, you know, those noodle boxes yep. with, with the dressings in there. Yep. Have a salad, have a salad, have a salad. You know, probably two out of the tray would come in and buy a salad. Um, but the next day Still they two. were in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. they were in there. And I um, I was blown away in Aubrey by people coming every day. But once we started to get that um, brand trust in Brisbane and the trust in the product, I saw them every day. I still see them every day. I'm not in there every day, but I, I see them. Like when I walk into that store, I see the same faces every day, which is to me the most important thing. Because if they're coming back again and again and again, you're still doing the same as what you did when you started. Mm. So, um, yeah, w- I really think it's um, brand trust. And, and once they tried that product and they didn't, they understood that it's not just a salad. You know, it's more than a salad. It's satisfying. It's healthy. I'm doing something for me. Um, they come back again and again and again. Mm. Do you feel quite fortunate the fact you actually started this brand in Albury rather than starting somewhere like Sydney or Brisbane first? And I say that because I'm from Adelaide. Mm. And a lot of brands... Um, who have done really well nationally started in South Australia because it's such a tough market, right? The footfall is a lot lower. You have to get, you have to really work on things like trust and marketing and product quality and all that kind of stuff being consistent in order to get customers coming through. Like I imagine you would have learned a lot from starting in Albury rather than starting in a capital city. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, um, I remember mum and dad always said, if you can make it in Albury, you can make it anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and in food, it was hard because they, uh, I remember they started that, that, one of the biggest restaurants, they did breakfast in Aubrey before anyone else did and they couldn't get anyone to come in for breakfast. Now it's a huge, <laughs> wow. huge market in Aubrey Dongo. You know, it's absolutely massive. Yes. Um, and I remember mum saying, you know, if you make it in Aubrey, you can make it anywhere. Mm. And um, and I think a lot of people thought we're crazy doing it um, because it is a progressive thing to do in a regional town. Sure. Um, we could have done it in... You know, Logistically, we couldn't have, but we could have waited another couple of years and done it in, in Melbourne or Sydney or um, mm. or wherever we wanted to do it. But um, I'm so, so glad that I did in Albury. I learned so much. And and by doing it there, you get you really, really get to know um, what people want and what people will accept and what they won't accept. Yep. Because they're honest and they'll tell you straight away. Yes. Like they really will. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I'm really happy that I started in Albury. Cool. Um, we've had a lot of people, especially the last 12 months, come on the podcast from like family businesses, right? Much like you've got. Mm-hmm. What's the great things about working with your brothers and, and building this business together? Well, you've got that trust right away. You've got that trust and um, you know that <coughs> at the end of the day, they're going to do everything they possibly can mm. to, uh, well, they're going to put in the same effort as you're going to put in. Um, luckily for us and probably a lot of other um, family businesses as well, we are so different. Like we're... Chalk and cheese. I always say Jess is adopted. <laughs> um, but <laughs> oh, if, if you see him, you'll know why he's, oh, he's okay. got he's got the the beard and the long hair. Yeah, um, right. Totally opposite. Yeah, to yeah, you. Okay. yeah. But um, Dad is, looks like that. So rest yeah. assured, <laughs> um, it's okay. But he he's just so driven um, on the finer details and so good at food and and <clears throat> just pushing, just keep on pushing the the boundaries on um, on flavor and and where food can go. 
you know, I'm good. I'm good with people. Um, I really get a joy out of making people feel good and mm. and valued. Um, which uh, don't get me wrong, I'm I'm good with food too. I'm not a chef, um, but I know my food. But the the people side of things really pushes me. Yeah. Um, and then you've got Connor, who's a younger brother. He's just a walking computer. He just does whatever you want him to do on that computer whenever you want it. So we're we're just so blessed to have such different avenues and, and angles within the business um, from the inventory, uh, this young stage, really. Yeah. yeah. Where do you sort of see, you know, this section of the market going? Because there's a lot of brands like in this space around health mm. um, and around fast and convenience and that kind of stuff, which have sort of come in and come out and... Um, you know, some brands haven't survived and you guys are, you know, celebrating about something about your fifth. I mean, that's a fifth year. I mean, that's awesome. Um, are you thinking this is going to be a growing section of the market, this sort of health conscious part of the food industry? Yeah, I do. I mm-hmm. I fully believe that um, the market is, is just going to get more and more um, health conscious mm-hmm. as we go because it can't not. If you look at what's happening in the world, people, it's a lot of uncertainty. Um, yep. And one thing that people can do is is change the way they they feel by eating better, um, by, you know, focusing on themselves a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you see, you know, gyms pop up on every corner, um, <coughs> which is, which is fantastic. Um, where, where I live in, in Brisbane, there's literally four gyms within my two block radius, wow. and, which is great because everyone's just running and everyone's seeing everyone run and everyone's, you know, CrossFit, whatever it is. Mm. It's, it's, um, it's really contagious. Um, with that comes people being um more time poor mm. so i f- i really believe that the you know there's going to be a big divide between fine dining and fast casual um there's going to be not much in between i agree um and i think that the fast casual uh, movement in australia is going to just keep going the same way it's just going to be like a steamroller mm. um, there's going to be a lot of different aspects that come Different, a lot of different food um, that is taken from different areas of, of the world, really, mm-hmm. and modernised and turned into fast casual, and um, which is fantastic because the more this happens, um, the better food the people are going to be eating. Because at the moment, you know, f- I'll just say fast food, it's not good food yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. No, and that's that's the thing that we're trying to push. Fast food doesn't have to be bad food. It's just at the moment it is bad food. So we're we're really trying to educate people about. Um, how to eat better and not uh, waste their time, you know, by going and having to sit down or whatever it is. They, they can get something easy and affordable and satisfying. It doesn't hurt their waistline or their, their health. Um, and the more people have these experiences, um, the better it's going to be, the more happy they, they are. Um, and the more they talk about it, people start to get ideas. It just keeps rolling and rolling and rolling. Mm. So you're just going to see the space just grow and grow and grow. Um, but that's not to say that, you know, there's not other food, um, oh, I won't call them fads, but just food directions that won't stop. The low and slow is huge as well. It's yeah. just going to keep growing. Yeah. And, that, and that's great too, like everything in moderation. Mm. Um, there's that great quote that I started with in Green Street up on the board, which is everything in moderation, including moderation. Like it's <laughs> it's just something that um, I've always lived by. Um, but low and slow is just just as big as this health push yep. in, in Australia. It yeah. really is. Like Australia follows America pretty closely, about five years behind. But um, 
I see these fantastic rubs and sources because don't forget we've got the other business as well that I'm doing research into condiments and sources and all that mm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I see these fantastic products coming to, to Australia and also being starting to be produced in Australia yep. with so much flavour, so much potential. So I just think food in general is going to get better. Um, and I don't say better in just, just flavour, I mean better for you as well. Yep. So um, in my mind, it's just going to keep getting better and better and better. Yeah. Yeah. How do you, how do you, it's probably a tactical question, but like how do you educate your customers about how the product is so good um, and it does change them? Because I imagine you must see people on a regular basis, you and your team, that you're actually changing their life by the fact that you're actually feeding them good food. And it might only be one meal um, a week or one every day they come in for, but those things add up pretty quickly, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And for us, it's, um, it's not just about the food. Mm. Like the food's the last thing that they try. Mm. You, you want to have confidence in your food that what they take away or what they eat <coughs> is going to finish off their experience. Um, but you've got 10 minutes, five minutes, whatever it is, of customers standing in that line, looking at everything, absorbing everything. It's really important that everything um, within the store is just as good as the food. So that vibe, the culture, the fun, um, it's all infectious. So um, we really take pride in theatre. So we... we go through and we modify things. If you can't have a certain ingredient because of allergens or you're just tracking your micro and macronutrients, we will work through it and we'll change it. And then at the end of the salad, um, when you get to the end, then your salad's tossed in front of you. You can choose your dressing. You can get whatever you want, you know, nuts, seeds, lime juice, you know, whatever you want, you'll be guided through it. Mm. Um, and that final product of the, the salad being tossed in front of you just shows that it's fresh and you've created that. Um, the lid goes on grab it and that final that final thing for us is that it's a good meal and they enjoy it so a lot of it happens before that to gain people's trust and to to let people know that we're not just going to say you know here's your food have a good day like we're really here to make sure that people know that there is there is a problem with food in australia um and we're doing everything we possibly can to make people happy about having good food so Mm. um there's a lot of work that goes into educating the customer it's not when i say educating it's not just educating it's just mm-hmm. it's about letting them know that food can be fun it can be more than just fill your mouth fill yeah. your stomach that's it see you later yeah yeah and then you have brand advocates on the on the back of that right who talk yeah. about you and then and then invite their other friends to come in and yeah. stuff like that as well word of mouth your best friend like yeah if you're doing things properly um you don't have to do much marketing at all totally agree um just on marketing though do you yeah. do you work with any gyms or pts or anything like that in their local areas to sort of bring people in and, and put them on some sort of meal plans or anything like that? Or? Um, not currently. We have done some stuff in the past, uh, local stuff in Albuquerque mm. when we first started. And mm. when I was there, it was a lot easier to do that sort of thing. Sure. Um, as we scale, it's a bit harder to, to keep that consistent across all the stores. Yeah. But what we do have is uh, the tech side of our business, which is driving us at the moment um, because there's no ceiling to that. And we've got uh, a lot of resource at our disposal with tech. So... Um, we will be making things in-house that enhance uh, the customer's experience with... If you come in come into store and you're talking to... We call our staff members hooligans. If you're talking to a hooligan, <laughs> um, you, you get the That's reference so of Green Street. But yes, um, <laughs> That's so good. So if you're talking to a hooligan and you can't have this or that or you're trying to you know hit your goals, um, we try and educate our hooligans as best possible to, to get the result. But mm-hmm. um, nothing is more true than the numbers within an app that just are there. So getting like a an app where you can 
drag in um, ingredients and have it a bit of theatre in there as well. You drag in the bowl, but everything's got a um, a number attached to it of like you know protein or carb or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, if they can start to understand that and do that on the app and and just hit their goals all the time, then we can start to like go to gyms and and say hey you know let's do something here because you've got hundred members that are screaming out for good food yep. um yep. They, they can do their gym and their and their order in one and it gets delivered to them whatever it is uh we will start to hit that space as hard as we po- uh, as hard as we possibly can yeah it's awesome mm. it's a big gap in the market i think that's awesome yeah um yeah. final question to you mate is like what are your plans for the future here like how how do you guys want to grow do you want to create any kind of sub brands or are you just going to go with the amazing um stores that you're doing currently right now and just roll out more yeah the the Key focus for us at the moment is um, is scaling correctly. You know, we don't want to have a, a hundred crap stores. We mm-hmm. want to have a hundred good stores or 10, 10 good stores better than hundred crap stores. So we just want to do things right. Um, it's been, as I said, five years since we started Green Street, and we've been working tirelessly on our on our stable footings to make sure that you know the business is what it want what we 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 want it to be because yep. if you haven't got that, it's really hard to scale. Mm. Um, so we've been working internally to make sure that we are ready to go. Um, so the new future is, is growth for sure within Green Street. Um, we've got a couple more opening in Melbourne in the next few months. Nice. And with that, getting into more of the digital side of it too. So, you know, having, we've got the app there so we can start to hit more um, smaller markets, you know, mm-hmm. having having shelves, different areas that we can deliver to that, you know, in offices and all that sort of stuff. Or, mm-hmm. or maybe it's um, maybe it's just having an area within a, a suburb that, you can walk into a room with a code and mm-hmm. there's just Green Street waiting for them. Like the digital side is something that we're tapping into at the moment, trying to understand more. Mm. Um, the initial focus is just good stores, good stores that do, you know, Green Street stuff that, that we always always have done. So it's really important that we, we keep that uh, keep that mission strong um, and so people understand why we're doing it yeah. um, is really important to us. And then you talk about sub-brands, there is some, some ideas out there. Um, especially with the McGrath fine food space with our condiments and sauces and glazes. And I mean, we've got a million recipes that we haven't even tapped into yet. So nice. with the revolving um, menu changes that we do, um, you know, we test a lot. We test a lot of things and a lot of it doesn't make it on, but it doesn't mean it's not good. So, you know, mm. we've, we've got old recipes that we um, used to use in, in restaurants and cafes and make and bottle and all that sort of thing. Like, a, you know, instead of having a, a hummus, we had this amazing Cajun avocado chili hummus that we used to make that everyone just loved, but we haven't had the time to make it since. <laughs> wow. So, you know, it's it's about getting the, the foundations right to be able to not just make it, but make it and make enough of it to keep making it. That's that's a really challenging part because once you... Now we've got um, four stores, soon to be, you know, seven at the end of the year. Wow. Um, we will... We'll probably have less time on our hands, but we, it's make, it's making sure that we whatever we do and whatever stores our products hit, we can keep up with it. Yeah, and it's it's purposeful. It's not just a flash in the pan. You know, like here's a product. Oh, we can't do it again. It's too hard. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, you want to be able to sustain it and and um, uh, keep on that growth trajectory, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And just things like um, partnering with with farms and and making sure that people understand where their food's coming from. You know, we have we have a certain percentage of our food that does come from lo- local farms but um, there's so much more in that space that we can do um, it all takes time to get those relationships and, and yeah. trust and, and making sure that you know what we're doing for them is is what they want and, and vice versa so um, 
yeah, the relationships take a little while to, to get going and you need to put the time and effort into doing that. So mm. I plan on doing a lot more of that, um, you know, especially in the Brisbane area where we're going to grow quite a bit at, at the end of the year. You know, the regions around that, Stanthorpe and Gold Coast. And Absolutely. There's a heap, a heap of produce there that's just ready to be taken. And it's, yeah. it's literally like 30k. It's not far at all. No. And then if you go further into the sunny coast, I mean, that's where... Um, sunny coast or around Airlie and all that kind of stuff yeah. like there's so yeah. much that's around there like it's uh, yeah. feeds pretty much the whole of Australia it's that's well, all of Australia like yeah. at, in, at the moment it doesn't make sense what happens like mm. all the food grown in, in Victoria well not all of it but a lot of it gets sent up to Brisbane yep or Queensland I should say yep and all the stuff in uh, in spring and summer that's grown in Queensland comes, comes down to Victoria <laughs> And then all of a sudden the price goes up because there's a flood and they can't get through or there's a bushfire. Yeah. Yeah, just um, at the moment it's a bit disjointed. Um, needs some change, but mm. I think we can do a lot to for Green Street at the moment to um, just go direct. Mm. Go direct and form those relationships and do what's right for the farmers, do what's right for us and the customers. So it's just, um, yeah, there's work to be done, that's for sure. I'm super excited to see what you do, mate. Like you, It sounds like you're obviously growing this brand with purpose as we've talked about in the podcast today but growing it the right way like with proper foundations so um i'm excited to see what what you guys do in the next coming years so thanks for coming on the podcast no worries thanks for having me i appreciate uh, it uh what's the best way that people can find out more about green street and then come into a store near them website uh just all our socials and uh the app but the best way is to to get in there, grab a salad, talk to the hooligans, and uh, they'll they'll fill you in. I, there's not there's no secrets from me. Like I tell my my team everything, yeah. so they, they know what's coming. Awesome! Yeah. I can't wait to come down, Jackson. Look forward to it. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thanks, Sean. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you definitely enjoyed that one, learnt a lot about really building the right foundations for your hospitality business and building things with purpose. We're building this podcast for people in the industry, so please comment, like, and share, and share it with those that you know in the industry, even if that's just one person. We'd really appreciate it. And if you don't know us at Post, Sash, my co-founder from Principle Design, has one of the best design agencies in Australia. So if you're looking for anything around strategy, branding, digital design, wayfinding and graphic design, you can find them at principledesign.com.au. And then myself at Open Pantry Consulting in 42 days for hospitality advisory and training systems. You can find us at openpantryconsulting.com. Thanks for tuning into this episode and until next time, stay well everyone. Today's ethos is to build solutions for hospitality businesses to retain and develop their team. We believe that the first 42 days, the first six weeks of someone's employment in any industry, but especially the world of hospitality, is so competitive, fast-paced and intense. We have an opportunity to reshape that narrative. Our team has extensive experience in the hospitality industry so we know what it takes to keep your team happy and engaged. We'll work with you every step of the way to create a plan that works best for your business. Go to 42days.co to book a consultation.